Did you see me swing my imaginary ponytail? That's what's happening. Does it get stuck in your head? A little bit. It gives me uh, a strip club. Mm. Uh, oh, American woman. And then she's just I... on the stage, just water. Her hair is wet. She's just throwing her hair around. American woman. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Yeah, me no neither. Idea. That's, your, that's your Atlanta. That's that Atlanta in you. I, uh, in Nashville, we Nashville, we, we, we good here. We don't, we don't do that. Yeah. It's bluesy. It's, it's blues. And it, it, I like that strum guitar, very bluesy. A lot of hip hop came from blues as, as well as country. Yeah. So the, yeah. so, so the two combined, it's like breaking bad. If you've seen that show, which I, yeah. I would hope you have. Who so hasn't it's like, seen breaking bad? Bow, now. Bow. So we could either be a meth dealer where I'm the teacher and you're Wait, so Jesse. I have to yeah. I have to be Jesse. <laughs> well, I mean, Jesse I'm made kinda, I'm the Jesse made a lot of questionable but Jesse made a lot of questionable choices. <laughs> yeah, but in the end, he survived. He gets a spin-off. He definitely got a spin-off. Yeah, he lived and and uh he learned from his mistakes, whereas I was the bad scientist. And I went, no, besides, you get to be Batman in the detective story. I have to be Robin. So we can know, switch. So. We can switch. We can switch. No, but you I'll know what? Swayed. You be <laughs> So you so we're like you're we're the same person, just different sides of the same coin. Yes. I'm Batman and you're yeah. Bruce Wayne. Yeah. So when the suit comes off, this is what you see. This is the billionaire Whoa. playboy. Yeah. <laughs> this is a billionaire playboy right here. That is. So. That's, that's what they all like. More pushing for the cushion. Or well, more cushion call- for the pushing. I've been calling this my lair. It looks that's good, man. Lair. Yeah, they lock me up. They lock me you up. You put some real effort into your setup, bro, and I love it, man. I love it. But yeah. look, Mark, I have a question for you. I was okay. reading through the comments, man. And, you know, we were talking about the music again. We got a lot wow. of great comments. A lot of people love the music. But yes. like a a few people hated it. I mean, no, I there's no you. in between. There's no, no in between. You can't please everyone. You, you can't. can't. Everyone. No. You can't. But here's but I my thing. <laughs> I, we try. Yeah. But my thing is the people that hated it. Yeah. A few of them I agree because I hated the part that they hated too. Yeah. And that's the end. The wow 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 whatever dude is saying at the end. Yeah, we. I, know, I he's feel going, like he's going. Like, what is that? I think I. You know what the problem was? Let me <laughs> tell you your, why. He's your boy. He's my guy. He's my <laughs> y'all. He's my guy. He's my guy. Look, everybody's looking at me. You know the the goofy white boy, and they're like, "Oh, that's Mark all over it." Right? <laughs> they're like, "There's no way the black guy produced yeah. that intro." Dalen, <laughs> well, <not>. guys, <laughs> and what did I got say? some news? I, I gave you a note, and what did I tell you to do? Just no, so but clear. yeah, but your note, you was like, "Hey, man, go back and see if he can maybe come back with a hip hop." <laughs> well, a remix. If it, it's, it's yeah, be like like a like a little scrap. Why Does it though? Huh? Oh no. Okay. So that's, that's not our right. audience though. No, it's not. And that's see the thing is, is you know I what you sound like. You sound like the producers on television. You right, were trying to. You guy. were. You were. You sounded like a white guy trying yep. to make some black stuff. Yeah, like I was. You trying was like, to I won't. Your no, message I, was like, you know what, Dalen? Maybe yeah. we do some hippity hop. 
you know, with some scratching, wicked, 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 some homeboy. Um, so you're, basically, you're calling me Jerry, Easy E's manager, who tried to like, right. F up Dre. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, you're right. Because if there's one thing I know nothing about, it's, it's, music. it's being a black man. Well, no. Well, no. <laughs> I certainly don't know that. Uh, but I don't know music. I don't have rhythm. I don't uh, have beats. Yeah. I don't know lyrics. I make up lyrics to songs. I'm surprised I remember the lyrics to Why They Haunt, you know, because like, there's I only make three up words. Lyrics. Oh, yeah. But no, I'll be singing in the car with my wife, and she's like, that is not the words. She says it all the time. And I'm like, well, it's my words. It's my version. I like remixes. I'm a big remix fan. So Right. So I'm just but a see, fan, I... and I, you're right. I'm playing suit right now, and I should shut up. Leave the music to you, which I have for the most part. And, and we see where that got us. <laughs> and here we are. Listen, it's not terrible. And it works. It's a flow. Uh, it's bluesy. It's like True Blood, which is our audience, I think. I mean, let me ask. Okay. That's one thing we should ask the audience. And you can put this in the comments. By the way, I love talking to you all in the comments, too. So please keep it up. But here's one of our questions that you guys can comment on. You know, True Blood, Breaking Bad, are you fans of that show? And if you are, do you not hear the similarities in the music? And are those not great television shows? And are they not like the same thing? True crime and paranormal. So we're hitting the mark. We're just missing yeah. it a little bit. That's my right. that's my yeah. New York you know suit opinion. But you know what? This is why we have an extended family of 50,000 strong out there, man. I know we have. 50,000. I know we have some musicians out there. I know Hell there's some yeah. musicians out there. Hell yeah. I would love for maybe Hell some yeah. of our viewers mm -hmm. to maybe they could put together a cool okay. little intro for us, man. I love contest. I love Yeah. Contest. Is it a contest? Well, <laughs> are we doing a contest or are we just well, trying to find well, somebody who's well, willing well, to make us? <laughs> listen, here's what's going to happen out of 50,000. We're going to get a lot of entries and we can only pick one. We can't have, or do you want to do a different theme song every episode? Ooh, that would be dope. Uh, or is that yeah, too much? <laughs> the producer in me starts to get worried. Uh, I get a little, you know, I could, you know. Uh, Mark, you can't throw out great ideas and then renege that quick. Because that got me excited. Every episode, we have a new user-generated theme song. Come on, man. Who's doing that? We are. No one. Damn it, we are. I, I have been saying we're forward thinkers the whole time. Bro, this is our first official episode of um, Why They Hunt. Happy episode one. Happy episode. Happy inaugural episode, episode of Why They Hunt. This is the first episode of Why They Hunt. This is the one where you're going to bring to the table an amazing story. A story Ooh. that I've never heard, that people have no. never heard. Wait, wait, mm -hmm. wait. These aren't stories that everybody's heard of before are they mark no God, you're not no. wasting what? our time are you i'm not a waster timer no okay i don't time okay. time waster no okay okay no, no. okay no, sir no i don't think anyone listen this story exists there is a book about it and it was written by the subject's great 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 nephew maybe maybe i'm missing a great maybe too many greats okay. but there is you a ever book. take a great yeah, and I'm, I would promote that book this second if I may. Hey, uh, Dalen, may I promote? May, permission to promote something. Listen, you know what? Every episode I say we have church announcements. 
And uh, I say you go ahead, man, and bless bless the congregation with the church announcement. The book is called Better Dead and in Hell. Can you say that out loud? Uh, what type of book are you promoting to our audience, bro? Better Dead and in Hell. <laughs> okay. The untold, so that is the title of the book. Okay, that's not the whole title. The whole title is, you know, it's a very long title, so I need, I need to make sure I get it right. Uh, okay, it is Better Dead and in Hell, the untold stories behind one of the most sensational affairs on record in Nashville. That's the title of the book. That sounded like his his professor gave him a word count that he had to put on for his essay. <laughs> he started adding all make, the words in that title. <laughs> it definitely doesn't make the Twitter count. When it was like 140 characters, remember those days? Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's it's like, we gonna, need more words! Yeah. More <laughs> words! Yeah, that's more than 140 characters. However, uh, Better Dead and In Hell is very uh, significant in this story. I actually found this story by searching newspapers. There is a website that I use for newspaper account. You have to pay for it. And, you know, I don't want you to pay for it. I want you to just, you know, why spend your hard-earned money when you can just listen to us and watch us for free? You know, allow me to pay for the newspapers.com. You're welcome. Yeah. So I go to this and I typed in murder, 1880s, Nashville. And it's not as easy as you think. <laughs> you got to have a lot of patience. Uh, but sure enough, I found uh, a headline that said, straight up, no joke, one of the most sensational shooting affairs of record in Nashville history. That's literally Ooh, that's what a the... sexy title. That's a sexy title. Right, but that's, that's a title. man that knows how to write his titles. But that's what the title. Well, that was the, the newspaper article. But that's what the that's what this title is. The untold. That's story. what I'm saying. Yeah, so if I read it like that, better dead than in hell. One of the most sensational shooting affairs in record in Nashville history. You make me want to buy the book. I would buy that book. Well, I do plan on having uh, this gentleman on in a future episode, uh, the author of the book. But today we're going to tell the story of his great, 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 great aunt. I I I apologize to Mr. Prosser. I do not know how many greats go there but i know it's it's up there it's a it's a lot of them yeah so it's we can have guests right that's okay i I honestly was just about to say that you're just adding rules as we go live on the air (laughs) we ain't never talked about having guests on the show oh yeah (laughs) we were were talking about that like the comments because all these people were like hey look mark's great and all but like jack osborne like i hear he's around (laughs) like where's juan and marcus you know Look, Mark's cool. Like, I think he's so sweet, and he's doing a great thing. But, like, hey, are you going to have Jack on? What about Cindy Caza? You know? Like, yes. You know what? I, you're right. We should, yeah. We're going to have all of those people on. That. Why not? But you. But, but I just want you to feel comfortable in your position, Mark. You're not going anywhere, brother. We're uh, the – you know what? You're the ghost brother from another mother. Oh! Uh, God, there we dream. go. What a dream. There we go. Holy there God. we go. That's like cool. there we go. Now I feel like Rick Moranis in Ghostbusters when they put him in, when he put the suit on and he's like, I was born to wear this suit. Right. What, now I'm that. Oh my god. Thank you. Now I, I listen. I want that T-shirt uh, just for me. Okay. Uh, we, ghost, ghost brother ghost, from ghost another mother. Brother from another mother. You know, with my face. And um, yeah, here, wait. Let's let's get the shot. 
and then that face, and then Ghost Brother from Another Mother. And that's my T-shirt. Um, and look, we're gonna sell that as merch. That's gonna be the first piece of merch that we sell for Why They Hunt. It's the no. Ghost Brother from Another Mother shirt. No, nobody's gonna want that. <laughs> hey man, listen, well, listen. If it's people got are gonna my get it, guy. Okay, you can have Ghost Brother from Another Mother in words, but you're not gonna want my face. So. They might. They might want that mug, man. They might want that mug on a mug. Okay. Well, speaking of shirts, guys, June the eighteenth, we have our official official graveyard shift logo tee dropping june the 18th on our website which is www.thegraveyardshift.tv shifting ain't easy so make sure you get that shifting ain't easy t-shirt on june the 18th i love shifters man shifters are the man best. listen they've we embraced have the best, me they've they have we have we have the best extended family that you could probably ever ask for. Man. Obviously, because they accepted me, and that's e that's not easy to do. So I appreciate that. You guys are cool. I definitely, uh, I, give me time. Yeah. I'll, I'll annoy you. <laughs> You're definitely rubbing the wrong way pretty fast. Yeah, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, anyways, well, I mean, now we've teased and teased and teased and teased and teased, and then we are like, hey, you can have this episode, but we're going to preview it. And then we've also been like, yo, we're going to tell you a story, but we're teasing it. And I've just kind of teased it up. And then you just started talking about T-shirts and you're saying, well, that's not going to come until this. So <laughs> right. I think we better give them what we promised, right? Let's give it to them, Mark. I'm All ready. Right. Tell me about uh, this story, man. What are we they, here for? Why they haunt Bertie Patterson, who lives in Mount Olivet Cemetery in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, let me ask you quickly. Do you have any aliases, Dalen? Yes. Uh, oh. AKA, it's Dalen, mm -hmm. a.k.a. the bad boy of paranormal, mm. a.k.a. the black Zach Morris, mm. a.k.a. don't call me, call your girl. Mm. But that's nickname. That's a nickname. Aliases, it sounds like you have, like, real aliases. But uh, well, those are kind of nicknames, too. This woman had seven. Uh, and Bertie Patterson was not her name. It was very popular back then because one of the most famous uh, AKAs was Billy the Kid, who was uh, known as Billy McCartney. Uh, that a lot of people don't know that is William McCartney, William H. Bonney, uh, Billy the Kid. You know, a oh, these wow. are all these aliases. People don't, yeah, a lot of people don't know that Billy the Kid, and he's and Billy the Kid was from New York. You left town when you did some dirty. You left town and you changed your name, and it was a lot easier because no one was like license and registration, please. You know what I mean? Right. So, so yeah, I uh, Bertie Patterson uh, had seven aliases, so that means there were seven times she needed to change who she was. Uh, so that's just kind of a little teaser of who we got for Bertie Patterson, okay. and I'll get into her aliases later. But she is today's ghost. Bertie died on July fifth. The day after 4th of July in 1883, and her death has always been shrouded in mystery. But what I don't know is why does Birdie haunt the corner of what's called St. Cloud Alley in Nashville, Tennessee, named after the St. Cloud Hotel. The building actually still stands to this day in downtown Nashville, and apparently you can hear some rustlings going on and some screaming and some yelling and some shouting that terrify people. And mainly it's a restaurant now, so mainly the staff of the restaurant get all these rustlings. But uh, yeah, it all happens on the second floor, and a lot of people think 
that you can hear blood curdling screams of what I assume is Bertie Patterson haunting this building. And that screaming and yelling was actually the scene of the crime of what happened because one lone fatal bullet would enter her chest and end her life. And despite countless efforts to unravel the mystery surrounding her death, the details remain obscure to this day. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, poor Birdie. Yeah, Birdie Patterson's pretty gangster, though, that name. Wouldn't you say? Say, I was thinking about that. I was like, damn, that's a really cool name, Birdie Gibbons. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you're going to change your name seven times, by the time you get to name Birdie. five or six, you yeah. got to start being pretty creative. Yeah, well, it was interesting because that was how they, you know, and, and nobody really cared. You could just change your name and no one really cared. So, if, so in the newspaper, she was known as Birdie Patterson. No one really cared about her real name. She was a well-known figure in Nashville during the late 1800s, despite only living there for three years. She was a prostitute and a madam who ran several brothels in the city, and she was known for her flamboyant, colorful personality and extravagant lifestyle. This is what got me so excited about Bertie Patterson, because I would read the newspaper articles about her, and they talked about how flamboyant she was and how extravagant she was and how beautiful she was. And, like, people, like, spoke about her like they were just obsessed with her. And I always envisioned, like, this Marilyn Monroe, this Paris Hilton of her era. Um, they didn't have hair dye back then, so I don't think she had platinum blonde hair. But I do believe that she was a, a looker. And there were conversations inappropriately about her bus size as well. So, uh, Wait, and those were how even— do you find how do you find all that information out, Mark? <laughs> newspaper. I'm not joking. That that was in the newspaper. Yeah, well, during and also the the trial uh, that's coming up, there would be doctors that explain that talked about her bus size. Like it's Oh wow. Yeah, so her she had large bust. You could see the reporters were enamored by her. You could see that just people were just obsessed with just what's Bertie Patterson doing. And then of course to top it off, she had that awesome name. You know, but she was very well right. known around town. Most certainly had many suitors for her service, described by one reporter in the Tennessean after her death as having, quote, nut brown hair, soft, large brown eyes, regular features, and fine teeth. We'll stop right there. She actually had teeth, which is a big, okay. that's a big deal back then. For sure. Uh, and she had fine teeth. So I don't that know if they say- yeah, but I don't know if they're saying she had fine teeth. Like, she's fine. But she had teeth that were, you know, fine. Anyways. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, I feel you, Mark. Got yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. Her form, which we all know what that means, would have been a pattern for a sculptor. Okay. Mm. As somebody that loves mm. the re Renaissance. You know what uh, that's looking like. Yeah, a sculptor, the Renaissance. I mean, you're not just going to sculpt some, like, you know. You're no gonna twig. Sculpt. You're gonna sculpt. You're sculpting. Right. You're, you know. Right. Like like in Ghost, you know, they're making the uh, pottery, the clay pottery, yep. and they're going like this. Yep. That's your sculpt. You're sculpting. So hourglass. Right. Coke bottle. Mm. Dragon or wagon, as I like to call it. Oh. All right. <laughs> yeah. So her form would have been patterned for a sculptor. And one learned gentleman who was present at the scene of her killing said it reminded him of models he had seen of the Venus of the Medici. And again, that goes back to the Renaissance. Wow. The wow. Venus of the Medici. So let's break this down. 
if we may. Venus is the goddess of love. She's goddess one of, of them. Love. Goddess, she's the goddess of beauty. Again, for the comment section, but Venus is like the goddess, right? So a goddess of the Medici. And the Medicis were like, you know, the top Renaissance people. They dominate the Renaissance. All the artwork was commissioned by the Medicis, right? So this is a Renaissance beauty. So a Botticelli. Uh, you've heard this. You've heard the term, the body of a Botticelli. I have not. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but okay, my, I'm with you. <laughs> my poor whiteness just came right through. Right there. That's that that's what I love about this podcast, man. Hashtag I learned whiteness. so much. I learned so much white tivity on this on this uh, white whiteisms on this the, podcast, the man. The body of a Botticelli. It's very common. The people know what I'm talking about, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> She is said to have been very stylish in appearance and always dressed very handsomely. Even the good doctor that attended to her said she was well-formed. And another doctor added that she had rather full breast. That is so misogynistic that like all these men, that's all they're commenting about on this woman. <laughs> yeah, she died. But let's not forget, she was busting out the chest. Like, mm. come on, man. Really? Like, that's horrible. People would see her uh, around town wearing expensive jewelry, alpaca furs. She'd throw wild parties. Her reputation as a high-rolling socialite earned her many admirers and enemies alike. And she was a frequent subject of gossip and scandal in Nashville's high society circles. She was also blessed with a magnetic personality. Her beauty and charm attracted many suitors who were eager to win her heart and make an honest woman out of her. Oh, wow. And they say you can't turn a what into a housewife? <clears throat> well, unfortunately, uh, spoiler alert, that never happened. Uh, they, but we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get there. there. We'll get there. Throughout her life, as we will soon find out, Bertie was frequently in trouble with the law. She was arrested numerous times for various offenses, including prostitution, gambling, and bootlegging, spanning in two different states. And one of those states was Georgia where you are, right. the other one is Tennessee, where I am. So they, we're basically living the life of Bertie Patterson right now when we bootleg. Right. But we're not bootlegging currently. But when we and do. we're not prostituting currently. Mm, currently, yeah. Okay. Okay, so not to cut you off, man. No, you This ahead. is interesting. I, you need to start asking some questions. Yeah, I mean, but you're flowing. You're flowing, and I'm learning so much about Bertie, man. This is actually dope. So you have this woman who lives between Georgia and Tennessee, but she's like this socialite in, in, in these inner web circles of, you know, of, of the higher ups. Cause she's providing something that, you know, of course these probably men want, you know what I'm saying? Back then that was brothels, madams. That was huge. If you ran those places, you knew everyone because people who wasn't supposed to be in there was coming in there. So you hold a certain type of power and weight in a city if you run one of those type places. Right. And, and, and that was interesting, especially because a lot of prominent figures would come into her graces. And, and, you know, again, because she was so beautiful, you know, they these prominent men would flaunt at her to do whatever they can to just make make her an honest woman. And sometimes she accepted their their gifts and when she did accept their gifts it, you know it led to trouble uh most of the time and quite possibly you know ended her life which we'll find out okay so i feel like you're victim shaming 
you're attributing what happened to her to her lifestyle of her spending time with men. Do we know for sure that's the reason, or are you using that as a reason? I think I uh, okay. I'm a theorist, and my theory is that her lifestyle caused her death. Um, okay, okay. I, that's my opinion. That's my theory. I'm not trying to disrespect her. She just had an extremely extravagant, lavacious, dangerous. Let's just be honest. I mean, being a prostitute, but also with all the crimes. And uh, did you remember I told you she was associated with a murderer in her past? Yeah, I'll tell you that too. So she's lived a dangerous life. So eventually I think it caught up with her, in my opinion opinion okay i can make an assumption all day long that's my theory so what do we know so we know so she got shot in the chest somebody shot birdie in the chest killing her inside of this hotel Mm -hmm. so what do we know then do we know did anybody get arrested did anybody like do we know she was beefing with somebody she owed somebody some money they robbed her news of birdie's death spread quickly and the people of nashville were shocked and outraged the newspapers at the time were filled with sensationalized accounts and rumors and conspiracy theories began to swirl quickly the most popular conspiracy theory was that birdie's death was a result of a jealous lover who became violent and shot her as the tennessean said quote the details from one of the most interesting accounts of jealousy and illicit love nashville papers have ever been called upon to chronicle so a jealous lover is now coming into the picture as somebody who probably it maybe i don't know circumstantial evidence has proven and pointing the finger at that lover shooting her okay i feel like they always go to a jilted lover when it comes to some type of you it's know, always case the husband like it's always some type of lover but this this story oddly sounds like the um uh nicole brown simpson story mm. man mm-hmm. ah wrong like, time a, wrong place at wrong time and yeah lover, yeah jealous that lover. sounds yeah so what happened so she's at the hotel and they think what just someone just came up there and was she with somebody they caught her with somebody you think well here's what went down it's fourth of july it's 1883 it's nashville nashville's a river city so many ships are docked along the river as i'm sure many captains gave their crew the day off to celebrate america's birthday much like today nashville back then was a sprawling metropolis for all things entertainment especially for men who work on boats. As you come off the boats, you are immediately in a very seedy part of town known as Smoky Row. Smoky Row got its name because the massive amounts of steam coming off the steamboat dock surrounded the first four blocks of the city. Of course, where there's smoke, there's fire, as Smoky Row was what we would call the red light district of Nashville. In fact, Nashville has a long history of brothels and gambling houses dating back to the Civil War. When the North seized Nashville in 1862, Nashville became a holding ground for troops in between battle. And what do bored young men like to do in the hot summer days when they're sitting around doing absolutely nothing? Especially we're talking about like teenagers. They like to, they like to drink and look at boobies. And there were a lot of women with boobies and a lot of women with (laughs) boobies that are allowing you to touch them for a small fee. And I don't mean any disrespect, but this is just what happened. And that's why in 1862, Nashville became the first city in America to legalize prostitution. Wait, are you serious? 
Mm-hmm. Wait, so is prostitution still legal in Nashville right now? No. <laughs> God, no. That bill didn't work out too well. No, it didn't go. <laughs> it, it didn't last long. But, uh, you know, see, here's the real deal. This is the story behind that. Because, see, during the first year of the Civil War, more soldiers were actually dying of STDs than bullets, mainly syphilis. Uh, Are you and, serious? Yeah. And by the way, syphilis is nasty. I, I, I had the... I did the wrong thing. Wait, you had it? No, no, oh. no, 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 oh. no. No, I oh. did the wrong thing. I Googled it. Oh, gotcha. And then you see gotcha. photos of it. It's nasty. Yeah. It's, it, it's nasty. And they were, you know, they started the law to get ladies checked once a week. And it's funny because there's actually photos of this where you can see them all lined up and you'll see like clothes hanging in the photo oh, wow yeah and they're and they're basically lighting up getting checked regularly so that they can continue on their work and and you may say to yourself well, why why uh where there's so many of those women willing to do that well during the civil war there were uh children fighting in this war as young as 13 and if you could sneak right. on you were 12 so you had the head of the household but then you probably had you know, the, so the father figure, maybe even the grandfather. Then you had uh, the oldest brother, and if the oldest, if the second oldest brother, if any of those were above thirteen, they were all enlisted. So there were a lot of farmers, and they weren't wealthy farmers. You know what I mean? There were a lot of farmers who, you know, the muscle and the strength of the family left, and there wasn't a lot of money to be made. So, in order to make money, these women sold for lack of a better term, their body. And they were actually recruited just like men from the Northeast and railroad, Nashville was a railroad city, and railroad down to Nashville by the thousands. Really? Literally, yeah. And so when we go to Nashville, you can see Smoky Row, and it's like four blocks of just building after building after building. And they've kept them pretty intact. And they were all brothels. They were all saloons. They were all gambling halls. Um, so it's, I, that's, that's, that's disheartening, man, that, you know, that sad. so many women had, yeah, they had to go through that. And that's why, I man, my mama used to always tell me, man, you don't hate on nobody and you don't wait on nobody, man. Mm-hmm. I would never knock anybody for doing what they have to do to survive. You know what that's I'm saying? Right. So yeah, like, no. if, if a woman felt like she had to put herself through that to to help feed her family, I don't knock nobody, man, for no hustle that they got to do. You know what I'm saying? That's not a detriment to anyone else, you know what I mean, or themselves, to make it and survive, man. And, mm-hmm. it, it, and it just sucks that that was a time that this country saw. But it's, it's also crazy that you said that, that more men died from STDs than bullets mm-hmm. during that time. Yeah. I like, mean, the that women- just, but that, that also let me know where – where priorities were back then. Yeah. Like, it, well, it was a war, but they yeah. was going to bust them one, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will say this. You know, when you read about the history of the Civil War, you'll see that there was more waiting than fighting most of the yeah. time. Like, and it's terrifying because, you know, these kids, for lack, I mean, they were kids. They would just sit there day after day waiting, not knowing if they were going to fight that day or not i know i'm childish because as you're talking all i can imagine is just how funky that those brothels were Ugh, like i'm just sh- like all them mustard dudes coming in and out them battlefields 100. coming in there because you know because you know they didn't wipe their ass before they went in there Mark. 
You know they didn't. You know they didn't. Because why are you wiping your ass? Why? Wait, you, mean, you, you got to business me, to handle, baby. You mean to tell me they didn't have sanitary pumps back then when they hey, walked man, in and walked listen, out? They didn't have none of that. They didn't have yeah. no baby wipes. <laughs> well, and Nothing. it lasted. And so, and, and, and of course, I'm talking Civil War time. So, uh, Bertie's time was during Reconstruction and, and into the Victorian era. So, this is 1880s Nashville. Uh, prostitution at this point is not legal. Uh, however, brothels do remain. And even though Bertie was younger than the uh, Civil War prostitutes, she too felt in the same scenario because her father and her brothers fought in the Civil War. Of course, she had to support her mother and her family, you know, and she picked the same profession. So it kind of lingered on during Reconstruction yeah. that they had to get into this lifestyle. So let's let's go back to July 4th in 1883. And as you could imagine, uh, Nashville is rocking all day. And Birdie was actually seen all over Smoky Row, globetrotting with two of her lady friends in some sort of Victorian bar hopping sprawl. Uh, mm -hmm. Birdie was known to enjoy the sauce uh, okay. and probably had her fair share by midday. Uh, she was also not short on words and often was heard saying things that would be considered unladylike even in today's standards. Oh, so she had a mouth like a sailor. Yes, sir. Yes. In fact, there was an eyewitness account of an altercation with another woman in Smoky Row in the late afternoon of July 4th that was even reported on the Tennessean the next day. In the article, it read, quote, It is said that this woman had a quarrel with another of her kind, the one with being from Smoky Row, and the other being from the jungles. So this is, I speak 1800. Um, okay, please, this, translate. Yes. So this is basically saying two prostitutes, one from Smoky Row, Birdie, and one from what was called the jungles. Uh, <clears throat> I... I I respect, respectfully just want to let you assume why they called it the jungles, where I apologize, but that's what they called it. Nope, nope. I want to hear you say it. I want you to sit in it, and I want to hear you say it, Mark. Why do they call that area of town where that young lady was from the jungles? That was where the African Americans lived. Oh, Mark, that's whack. You love <laughs> that's look, horrible. The, that's where the former slaves lived, okay? And the women, and oh. they were prostitutes. And that was the black side of prostitution area. So you're telling me Birdie got into it with a black woman who was also yes. a prostitute the day before she died? Yes, on 4th of July, no less. Um, From um, was the black lady, is she, was she considered a suspect in Birdie's death? Uh, no. But here's an interesting side note and tidbit, and the reason why I'm telling you this sort of story, not just because I wanted to tell you a cool story about Birdie fighting a black woman in, <laughs> in Smokey Row. Basically, the Tennessee article continued, <clears throat> the woman who was abusing Birdie Patterson expressed a wish that when the other died, she would never rust quiet in her grave. This is said to be the worst curse of the unfortunates think they can put upon another who has offended them. Wait, okay, let me let me translate 1800s. Birdie was getting her ass whooped, basically. Yeah. So the black woman was on Birdie's ass. Hell yeah. And so the black woman was so mad that Always she had to whoop black. Birdie's ass mm -hmm. that not only did she whoop Birdie's ass, she mm -hmm. put a curse on Birdie. 
I'm guessing this was a voodoo curse. This is just an okay. assumption, but I'm almost positive this was a voodoo curse. That she will never rest quiet in her grave. And if there was ever a thing called a red herring back in the 1800s, that's a red herring. Because I Wait, gotta what's be a red on herring? it. Oh, so that's like foreshadowing in a story. Oh. So gotcha. basically, gotcha. we're foreshadowing. In, 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 let's just put it this way that curse was real. Okay, right. because if there's one thing Birdie didn't do while she was in her grave is rest. And you'll soon find out that. Mm. Just saying. Why do uh, they call it a red herring? I mean, there's so many other fish. There's catfish. There's mm-hmm. trout. Mm-hmm. There's uh, I like red snapper. Yeah, snapper is one of my favorites. And also grouper. Why don't we ever have a grouper? Because I, I I'm not exactly. a big catfish guy, but a grouper? Now, that is the king of the ocean right there. Okay. okay. And a red snapper. Okay. I do like mm-hmm. a good snapper. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, no, this is a red herring. Gotcha. Google it. Tell us, people. I love it. Another question. If you know, put it in the comments. What is Comment. red? Why did they call it red herring? Yeah, we don't know everything. That's why we have YouTube. All right. So we got the sister who whooped her ass as a suspect. Who else is accused of potentially? being a reason of birdie's demise that's a good question so let's fast forward to about 5 30 p.m on july 5th 1883 this is when a man named jjs hook is closing down his fish market next to birdie's apartment when he could hear birdie yelling at the man in an alpaca jacket they loved alpaca back then i don't know it must have been a man that's uh, the chinchilla of the 1800s hey nosy Hook decided to get on top of a trash can to see if he could hear what they were carrying on about. I mean, that's my man right there, you know. You yeah, find out what yeah he was committed. Yeah, whatever. Let's get on a trash can. I'm going to find out what Birdie's <laughs> doing. Uh, he later testified in court that he heard Birdie say to the man, I'm going home. To which the man, who appeared to be in a drunken stupor, replied, You shall not leave me. I will kill you first. Ooh. Oh, wait. So this was not at the hotel that she died at, but this was at her house. Great question. Back then, even though it was a hotel, they were also used as apartments, like long stays. Uh, So this was her apartment that she was doing a long stay in, uh, arranged by a man who we will later find out is the same man that yelled, I will kill you first. Oh, wow. So she had, okay. So 4th of July, she gets into a fight. The 5th of July, the ap- the evening of the 5th of July, she's arguing in her house mm-hmm. with her ex and her maid. Mm-hmm. Okay, not so her, then what happened? Not necessarily her ex. You're just assuming ex. I never said ex. Oh, okay. So this it could be her... It's a fella she's deal- she has dealings with. A fellow she has dealings with. Yes. And you hear a witness who's standing on a trash can outside of Birdie's house mm-hmm. doing what he's doing for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Here's this man tell Birdie, I will kill you. Yeah. The witness heard that. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Fish- I'm with you. The, the fishmonger named Hook. I mean, could you ha- gotcha. not have a better name? I mean, that guy right. was born to be a fishmonger. So, right. Uh, now, Birdie being Birdie and not one to put up with a threat fired back immediately. And uh, this is truly good. She said, quote, go ahead and kill me then. I would rather be dead and in hell than living in hell. 
Okay. So wait, Birdie. Birdie, your, your math ain't mathing, Birdie. Your math ain't mathing. You would rather be dead in hell than in hell. Than living in hell. Birdie, you but but Bird, so she, Birdie, you're gonna be to say, She's trying to say she's living in hell now. And she'd rather be dead in hell than living in hell. But Mark, either way, you're gonna be in hell. Now you just add another layer of dead on top. You don't have to explain Birdie's logic to me, okay? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to I'm just trying to understand the math. Two plus two ain't equal in four in her equation. No, according to her and her thought process, she was living at the time in hell. Like where she was, her surroundings, who this man she was yelling at, who claimed it, who wanted to kill her. She was basically saying, My life sucks. I'm living in hell. And I'd rather be dead in hell. Not living in hell. So kill me, basically, is what she was saying. I got you. That's me speaking you. 1800s. Um, I got now, you. Now, do you remember the title of the book? Uh, uh, word one. I'll, I'll give it a, a two. Uh, a long <laughs> sentence, pause, apostrophe, uh, semicolon, uh, period. Well, it, it, was, it was this quote, dead in hell than living in hell. Dead in hell. Ah, so he took a piece of his great, 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 great aunt's statement and made it into the title of his book. It's all coming back full circle. Better dead than in hell. This is what the quote of the newspaper said. This and this came straight from the trial. Uh, but but can we before we move on? Can we at least acknowledge like how great the writing was in these newspapers back in the eighteen hundreds? Like they put some effort into their language, dude, and they loved Birdie. So imagine how colorful it was. Like reading newspapers from the eighteen hundreds is so fun. But of course, that was entertainment. That wasn't just like, hey, I'm reading for information. You were reading for entertainment, um, right. and they were sensationalisms. They were just beautiful writers. And and you know what? Who cared about fact checking back then? You know, because there was no Google. And oh, by the way, it also sounds like she's suicidal. Her saying she's living in hell may maybe suggest that she's suicidal. And I bring that up because that's going to come up in an important part in the story later on. Okay. Now it's at this time where that shout, where you know, I'd rather be dead in hell than living in hell, from Birdie's mouth, is when a guy named E. N. DeFord, an agent for Wheeler and Wilson sewing machines, heard a woman scream. The piercing cry for help was immediately then followed by a pistol shot. DeFord oh, wow. ran as fast as he could up to where the shot came from, and by the time he made it up there, he saw our girl, Birdie, sitting in a rocking chair, a pistol on the floor next to her, and an old portly man, later identified as William L. Boyd, passed out face down on the bed. Here is an excerpt from the Tennessean from July 6, 1883, on how DeFord described it to them. Quote, she sat pointing the forefinger of her right hand toward him, while her life's blood welled from her left breast, dyeing the entire body of her dress crimson. The woman dropped her hand, uttering, murdered, murdered. That's that's the Tennessean. That was beautiful. That's poetry. Like dying so, her entire body crimson. Whew. No, that was that was I, I viewed it I, I, in my head. I was picturing her wearing this white blouse and the blood just slowly pouring out of her left bosom. Yes. Staining oh. her. Yeah. So what's interesting is you telling me this guy, this door to door salesman. Mm-hmm. Is walking, walking minding by. his own business, mm-hmm. 
he hears the word murder, murder, mm-hmm. and then hears a gunshot. Mm-hmm. Him with no first? weapon. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Why would you hear murder before the shot? Exactly. Right. Right. Because I would yeah. think if someone pulls a gun on you, you're going to be like, "Hey, don't kill me," or "Don't shoot," or not murder, murder. And then he becomes Captain Sable Woman and runs upstairs mm-hmm. to her house, mm-hmm. her unit, and then sees her sitting on a chair, bleeding out, yeah. pointing at her a man who's passed out on the bed. Passed How out did the man bed. pass out on the bed? Like, what was that about? Well, so the story goes that Boyd uh, spent a lot of time at a neighboring fancy schmancy uh, hotel, which is about two blocks east called the Maxwell House. And if you're thinking, well, that sounds familiar, that's right. The Coffee Maxwell House got its name from the Maxwell House Hotel. Oh, wow. Get to the last drop. And uh, anyways, (laughs) so the Maxwell House, uh, yeah, so the man was always seen there during the day. So on July 5th, it's reported that William L. Boyd Sr. was doing his usual, which was drinking brandy literally all day, getting totally soft. From 9 a.m. till about 4 when he left to go west, which we assume, as eyewitnesses are reporting, that he was going to Bertie's apartment, which we later find out also that Boyd financed. So So Boyd was paying for his lady's apartment, Mm -hmm. got slizzard, and came over to her house ready to start some. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, So obviously Boyd shot her, right? So, so, so we're assuming he pulled a gun out, shoots her, and then immediately passes out. Possible. possible. Maybe he was so shocked because she's not even dead yet. By the time the guy runs up the stairs, yeah, because he that... sees her and she still yells "murder" and points. Yeah, and pointing. So she's she's basically saying he he shot. They her. call that a dying declaration. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Tell me more. Yeah. Tell me more. Uh, that's all. That's what yeah. they call it. A dying declaration when you're on your deathbed and your last few words are telling who did it. Hmm. And they and that is admissible in a court of law. Really? Okay. Well, yeah. then obviously yep. they would use that because you guess who's going to get arrested. So anyways, <laughs> by this time, a Dr. Freeman was also walking by. Very busy corner, by the way. <laughs> Everybody's just walking by <laughs> at the right time to see yeah. this, right? Yeah, so Dr. Freeman heard the shot, too, and he ran to Bertie's side. Can I also point out that Dr. Freeman is not a medical doctor. He's a dentist, which is kind of medicine, but he's a dentist. So See, I, but, feel like, I feel like dentists always get, like, the short end of the stick in the doctor world. It's true. They do. But, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're bleeding out crimson in your white dress, Dalen. Who are you calling? A dentist? Hey, man, listen. <laughs> At that moment, you got to get what you can get. (laughs) All right. So after all this, are we still listening? Oh, Uh, here's where the mystery begins. Freeman lays her down and she's continuing to murmur something, but he thought she was saying mercy, not murder. So he began uh, examining her left breast and he finds something he didn't expect. A blood-stained letter addressed to a Miss E.A. Prosser in Americus, Georgia. Naturally, rather than attend to the dying woman bleeding out on the ground, the good doctor tears open the letter and reads it. And the letter (laughs) opens up with, 
my dear mama. Oh, wow. Yeah. So now Bertie Patterson has another name. We know her mom is, last name is Prosser. So then the doc, the dentist, rather than attend to the dying woman again, uh, turns to Boyd, still face down on the bed, by the way, next to them, and asks him what he knows about this. And everyone knows it's old Bertie Patterson, the notorious madam who was never married. Why did she write to a woman with the last name of Prosser? And why was it her dear mama in Georgia and not in Tennessee? So Boyd, still drunk off the brandy, just mumbled, I think she shot herself. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, no, but again, he's passed out drunk. You kind of assume, you were kind of taking that there, you know, like he doesn't know. He could have been passed out drunk on the bed. He doesn't know. And if she's yelling mercy, mercy, as in like, I want mercy, I want... I want to be relieved of, of I need, you know, I give up, you know, uncle, you know, whatever the term is. If she's saying that, not murdered, well, that definitely changes the story. And then it becomes, she's not pointing to a murderer. She's pointing that she wants mercy. That's very interesting and, and definitely something Boyd will use later in his defense. <clears throat> Mark, I ain't gonna lie to you. That sounds like some BS. Like, why would I yell mercy before I shoot myself and then be pointing at the man on the bed? You know what I'm saying? And You're pointing at him and still saying mercy. You're not. I'm not. Patterson. But you know what's crazy? You know what's crazy? I actually know a guy. I know a guy. No, not Birdie. But like season one or two of the original Ghost Brothers, our producer was this guy mm -hmm. from the UK mm. named Steve. And Steve, Steve had a best. Steve was great. Steve was a good guy. But Steve had a best friend. And his, he showed us the news article and everything. His best friend was at his house with his girl. Mm. And his best friend went to sleep. They went to sleep in the bed. Mm. His best friend woke up mm. out of the bed covered in blood with the woman next to him stabbed like 30, 40 times. So he rushes down the stairs and calls Steve. He calls his best friend Steve and is like, bro, I don't know what. I just woke up. Blood is everywhere. S S S Lucy's dead. Stabbed at that. Like, I don't know. And Steve was like, bro, you just got to call the police. Do you know that man is locked up in jail right now for life? He And he still don't know what, how, when, where. Like, it's the craziest story ever. So when you say that about Birdie, like that's crazy. Like who knows? Like what if genuinely he passes out and Birdie shoots herself, or someone else comes in there and shoots Birdie, and he just wakes up to this, and now he's like, blame for it. Please continue your story. I do like where your head's going because I'm telling you straight up. That's why circumstantial evidence and you're innocent until proven guilty is very important in our judicial system. Okay. Um, Granted, you know, there's for every OJ and Casey Anthony out there, there are uh, people that are innocent and are guilty and then are, are not acquitted and they do go to jail for life, uh, which right. is unfortunate. And, you know, you're, that's why the appeals process in the United States is so big, because, you know, we do, you do have the right to always appeal your case as long as you can, as long as you can hold on. And, you know, um, that's why a lot of uh, murderers on death row appeal to the very end and they stay on death row for 20, 25 years before they, they yeah. are done because they're appealing their case. And then finally, you know, the judge is like, no more appeals. That's it. So 
but they you know that's our judicial system does work when it works and and that's why it's so important but at the same time yeah then it doesn't work um so circumstantial evidence sucks in a in a if you're a detective and all you have is circumstantial evidence without a smoking gun uh you have nothing and back then you know there were no ballistics tests there were no it was there were no uh fingerprints it was just he said she said and right now we got a woman who some people are saying is saying murderer and then we got a doctor who's saying she's saying mercy so you know at this point it's did she die by murder or did she die by suicide that is really the question i think or i like your and if it was murder was it boyd or did somebody come out come up and shoot her well let's see right let's see what i what i can come up with here in my little cliff notes um so finally the cops arrive i know it seemed like it took a while to do this but they did (laughs) yeah all Uh, these people have rushed everybody's there but the police yeah the police no no, but the dentist is there so don't worry the fish is around the corner you know so in case you need some salmon uh so finally the cops arrive and they want to take old boy down to the station for questioning but all he could say is get my umbrella because you because you got to get your umbrella yeah and birdie is still just bleeding out by the way uh so she's not dead yet she's just still like mm-hmm. like what the god yeah so they started pulling boyd away from birdie or whatever her name was but boyd wouldn't go he just kept holding on to her whispering in her ear my sweet birdie it's me baby don't you know me uh so boyd who was half her age by the way at 61 years old did love her clearly if he's doing that or is that fake i don't know um Bro, he was also Bro- drunk boyd was drunk boyd right. was drunk and he probably drunk. thought birdie was asleep he was like baby baby come on baby i love you baby come on baby don't do this Let, you got the police this. here baby wake I'm up ready, baby i'm ready to go i'm ready to go let's go again <laughs> finally the cops do get him to the station and they threw him in the cell on a bench warrant and shortly after birdie's waiting maid fanny washington showed up and told police that he being boyd must have shot her when she didn't come home last night until after two in the morning and she said quote i knew some trouble would come of it so, so birdie gets home late from gallivanting down in these streets mm-hmm. and her maid was like i knew something was going i knew something was going to happen because mm-hmm. she came in at Maids two o'clock in the morning made intuition mm. yeah and remember now about yes the previous day's afternoon too she got into that fight and there's right. no telling what happened between the fight because she obviously was doing what Birdie was known to do, which is run her mouth and drink a lot. Uh, so there's no telling what happened between that point and 2 a.m. So, um, so at this point in the story, though, I think it seemed clear, at least by the Tennessean standards, which is the newspaper, that there, quote, was never, however, a stronger case of circumstantial evidence against any man than there is against William L. Boyd. Heretofore, an old, honored, and wealthy citizen of Nashville who now lies on the floor in a cell of the Davidson County Jail charged with the murder of his mistress, unquote. Mm, mm, mm. But, you know, all they have is a man laying next to a woman that was shot. Um, I'm not but, saying but, Boyd hey, didn't do it, but I'm just people saying. People have been convicted. People have been less. convicted of of for far less. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. 
Now, Boyd is charged with a murder. He pleads not guilty, continuing to state that Bertie killed herself, but many witnesses didn't believe him. Fanny told police that Mr. Boyd, drunk off the brandy sauce, told her to go fetch the barber at around 5.30 and said not to hurry so he could mm. get a haircut, which is why she was not present during the shooting. She also said that her poor Miss Birdie, quote, unquote, was very cheerful and writing a letter to her mother. Um, but was this letter a suicide it? note? Nah, that don't sound right. That don't well, sound right. So it's just mad convenient that dude told the maid to, to get on up out of here real quick, man, and, and take your time. Yeah. Like, it, it ain't looking too good for her, not, man. Not for Mr. Circumstantial Boyd. It, this whole story, man, just makes me really, really feel bad for Birdie, man. I just feel like she got the short end of the stick all through her life, man, and she just had to really just hustle to, to survive. Like I'm, I'm really curious to to have some of these conversations with her, man, because I want to know what happened to her. Like, did you kill yourself? Did someone shoot you? Who could it have been? Was it a jilted lover? Was it your, your, you know, what I'm saying your ex tricking, uh, 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 homeboy? Like, what, what really led to your demise? And I see why she's haunting. Like, we know why she's haunting. It's too much crazy stuff surrounding like her passing away. Like, that's oh, yeah. sad. Oh, yeah. That's horrible, yeah. bro. If Dateline was doing Dateline in 1800s, I mean, Bernie Patterson would right. be their number one story. That's why this is the number, the first episode. Uh, and I think our investigation is going to just be a long one because we're going to have to talk to Bernie. We're going to have to talk to uh, Boyd. And, and we're going to have to get to the bottom of this and see if we can see not only why Bernie's haunting. I think we know why Bernie's haunting. <laughs> Bernie, Bernie still likes the limelight. So if Bernie's haunting, it's because she just is like, yo, I'm still here. Hey. The attention. Well, remember, yeah. she'd rather be dead in hell than living in hell. Ooh, so what if she's what if this still is her hell? But this she got her, her wish. That's right. And also, let's also bring up one last thing. Remember when she got into that fight with that black lady on the fourth of July and what the black lady said when she died that she would never rest quiet in her grave well it happened she never rests quiet in her grave basically boyd took it to trial and he claims she committed suicide prosecution said murder so uh they autopsied her and they said clearly boyd shot her buried her six days later dug her up did an autopsy again right there where they dug her up in this cemetery that we're gonna go to uh and they did her autopsy out in the open in the cemetery? Oh, in July in Nashville. Ooh, I bet it was hot and funky out there. And stinky. Stinky. And, uh, you know, the, the mosquitoes must have been, oof. Or the flies, whatever. The maggots. Whoo I don't know how they did it back then. But anyways, uh, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. So uh, the idea was to discover... So Boyd's, Boyd's idea was if she shot herself she'd shoot up like she'd take the gun and go and if boyd shot her it would have been down because she was sitting down and boyd would have shot her and the bullet would have gone down so up meant suicide down meant murder according to boyd and his defense team okay uh, so every time they autopsy they said the bullet went down every time uh so he'd be convicted he'd appeal Second trial, he'd be convicted, he'd appeal, and when he appealed, they dug her up again. So she was dug up 
a second time during the second trial. Not sleeping in her grave, obviously, or resting. Pardon me. Uh, and then, of course, convicted again. Third trial, convicted again. Oh, yeah, but don't worry. There was another autopsy, just to make sure. So three autopsies in her life. and Post-death. Post-being buried. So she Post never did rest, like the lady said. Yeah, so she was cursed in death. And then, of course... Uh, and it, what the, but see, this is why I'm like so freaking out over this story, and I hope you guys are too. Because these are things that I found in a newspaper, okay? Think about this stuff for a second. You know, is it murder or is it suicide? Uh, uh, she, she, even, she was heard and saying that she'd rather be dead in hell than living in hell. Like, that was a real statement. And then, so, and then she was also in the paper cursed like it was literally in the news i mean i will i the article i'm speaking of is literally in front of your face right now by the magic of television you know like you can i will i have the article where this is said from the tennessean on july 6th so uh, what i'm getting at is is like i mean if you if you think this story is wild and has paranormal elements this is this is why like she was cursed right. if you believe in Murder. voodoo curses was she murdered? Did she commit suicide? Did she? She thought that she lived in hell when she was living, and now she would rather be dead in hell. So is she still living in the celestial plane right now? Right, right, right. right. And living I mean, definitely is she living? I mean, so I, is she haunting? Or is she living? Yeah, I think we've we figured out why she haunts. Like we get, we got that figured out. Like there's just too much uncertainty around her death. So that unfinished business alone. Well, I'd also point out if, there, yeah, I'd also point out that if there was any ghost <laughs> that wanted to haunt in the afterlife, Birdie said she did. Birdie's basically that ghost. No, man, I think we're loaded up with this one, man. I think when we get to this investigation, man, like it could go so many different ways, man. I'm excited to see these locations, speak to these people, visit these resting places. Like, this is going to be a really, really good one. I'm glad this is the first one. If this is setting the tone for our season and the stories that you're bringing to the table, oh, man, Why They Hunt is going to be the number one podcast out there. <laughs> I, I, Well, if, I mean, I, that's why I said this is starting to feel like Dateline. And I, I, I mean that <laughs> I mean that naturally. I didn't even think about it until I, like, started telling his story. I mean, like, yeah, I, I had my notes and I'm writing the story, but then I'm like, wait a second, love triangle. And then it wasn't this, it wasn't this, or could it have been this? And wait, there's paranormal. What do you mean she's cursed? Like, you know, wait, you mean it actually is true? The curse? Like, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, man, I like yours, man. Cause you're, you're, you're so deep in the history, bro. You know, so much. Like I love to just pick your brain. I think that people enjoy listening to you. A lot of people I were hope. saying that in the comments, they love how knowledgeable you are, bro. Well, and uh, yeah, I like bringing my, uh, yeah, my sense of questioning, because you might ramble off some hard-nosed facts, yes, sir. and it might be the smallest of detail that catches my attention. You know yes, what I sir. mean? Yes, sir. So, man. yeah, I love it, man. I'm excited to get out in the field with you, brother. All right. Hashtag body of a Botticelli. We'll see you then. Bow, 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 bow. Shifting ain't easy, but somebody has to do it. Why are they hard?